Hello and welcome to Required Reading, the podcast that revisits the most impactful books from our childhood. I'm your host, Erin Bowles. I'm a writer, actor, and bad at parties. Our guest today is Madeline Douglas. She is a writer and painter currently based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Mad studied dramatic writing at SCAD and was fortunate enough to meet one Aaron R. Bulls there. I didn't write that, she wrote that. She worked on several short films and HGTV's Good Bones before pivoting back to her original love of painting during the pandemic. Hi, Madeline. Hi, Aaron. Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. So good to see you too. I know I've texted you a couple of times, but I really cannot emphasize how much I love this podcast. Um, thank you don't listen to many podcasts so you absolutely did come up in my spotify wrapped i think you're my number two i want to say oh my Uh, goodness but uh this has been so much fun i have reread so many books because of you like Um, what well i'm rereading the percy jackson series right now there's another one that you did that i reread earlier on one of your first ones or whatever and i was like oh my god it's like first of all i still have that book around here somewhere and i was like i have to read that again but it's been very, been very fun to, I don't know, just hear your voice and hear your opinion on these different books. And oh my God, it makes me like, I feel crazy because I work nights or whatever. And so I'm in there listening to your podcast, talking to myself and people are just like, what are you listening to? I'm like, let me plug my oh, friend, Erin. <laughs> thank you. But today's book is The Boxcar Children, the very first book from 1924 by Gertrude Chandler Warner, 1924. First Winter Olympics is held. It's in the French Alps. Calvin Coolidge becomes the first U.S. president to deliver a radio broadcast from the White House. Adolf Hitler is sentenced to five years in prison for participation in the Beer Hall Putsch the year before, but he serves less than nine months. Uh, We're already at Hitler. We're starting strong. MGM is founded. J. Edgar Hoover is appointed the head of the FBI. Fascism is rising in Italy. The last known sighting of a California grizzly bear is recorded. And Nellie Taylor Ross of Wyoming is elected as the first woman governor in the United States. Good on you, Nellie. (laughs) You gotta end on a high note. It's gotta be like... That was very much look. I learned that with Little House on the Prairie. It was like Adolf Hitler. That was the one you reread? That's the book. That's the book. Hell yeah. The next episode I'm doing is The Care and Keeping of You, the American Girl Doll book, and her other choice, Little House on the Prairie. Oh my God. I never got that one. I had a different Here's About Your Body book. That's how I learned about periods. But Gertrude Chandler Warner, I keep saying Warren because Chandler was a girl in my Girl Scout troop, and then Miss Warren was one of our leaders, so it's tripping me up. But Gertrude wrote the first 19 books of this series. I think there might be over 160. I didn't realize this, but in the first page of this book, there's like, yeah, what the how? That's fantastic. She became a first grade teacher during World War One. I, I think because there were no people to be teachers. She never married. She lived in her parents' house for almost 40 years and then moved into her grandmother's house. And then in the 60s, she moved into her own house and lived there with a retired nurse who was her companion. Companion. Um, <laughs> exactly. 
She once said that she did a lot of her writing while convalescing from illnesses or accidents. I think she had like a sickly childhood. She conceived of the idea while she was sick. She had already written a series of eight books for a religious organization. And so she says, I decided to write a book just to suit myself. What would I like to do? Well, I would like to live in a freight car or a caboose. I would hang my wash out on the little back piazza and cook my stew on the little rusty stove in the caboose. And the books were criticized for depicting children with little parental supervision. And that's crit- the best part. Exactly. So her critics thought that it would encourage rebellion. And her response was, well, that's why they like it, which is true. So God. good on you, Gertrude. So what is your story with these books? How did this come into your life? Oh, my mother. How did everything come into my life? <laughs> my mother. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to talk about moms a lot on yes, this, so much. Which, mm, which, you know. So speaking of Little House on the Prairie, if I'm remembering correctly, that was like the first chapter book that Dorothy and I read together. And that was like one of those where like she'd read a page and she'd make me read a page. And then it moved into she'd read a chapter, I'd have to read a chapter. The Boxcar Children was the first book that like I read on my own. And I have a terrible memory, but I'm pretty sure I read this either going into second grade or sometime during second grade independently. And then I don't remember if our second grade teacher started it or if I think it was our third grade teacher, but she read it to the class, but I'd already read it. And so I was like reading ahead, like all the the different books. And my classmates hated me for all I was not popular. (laughs) Yeah. Third grade was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, you know, the one little tiny chapter and then with the big cliffhanger. And I'm like on the 10th book or some shit like that. And they were just like, oh, my God. But this was the first this made me want to keep reading. You know, this is like the first chapter book that I was like, there's another one. There's, you know, that's not like a picture book or something like that. And that was not like uh required reading for class. Um, that I was just like, I need to have more. I need more of this. Very different experience growing up. But like, as a kid, this had me. I was, ooh, I loved this book so much. I reread this too as a kid. Yeah. And I, oh my God, girl, I can't tell you the grip that this book had on me. And I was not an outdoorsy child at all. Kept to myself inside reading my little, you know, but I wanted to live in a boxcar I wanted the opportunity to prove that I could do that. I could just live outside and live off the land. I could go find a little stream somewhere and I could just be set. And um, that's absolutely not accurate. I was a very dependent little child. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that, that sense of like something I really liked in the book is that it's not about like playing house as much as it is about making your own house and space. Yes. Yeah. There was a sense of comfort to it and like a sense of independence that I craved so badly. Oh my God. And that's another thing, like, this is interesting because we're both only children. Yeah. And you know, there's four siblings. This is where it kind of, where I, I said this might get a little sad. This is where this might get a little sad because yeah. this, I craved the sibling connection so badly because of this book. I wanted that sense of community and that sense of like people that will never leave me because we have the bond or whatever. But that also is one of the things that I remember so much from this book. I just, this huge sense of yearning 
I wanted people so badly because of this book and I like never found it as a kid I never read these but I had the exact same thing with the Narnia books I never read these no oh my god that's so wild I don't know why I never read them I think they just like I don't remember them being around really yeah Um, and I guess I sort of had them lumped in with like Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys of like old absolutely old people books because and I, like I said because my mom is the one that was like you have to read the boxcar children because she was a huge she had every single Nancy Drew book and I don't think they were like her originals from when she was a kid I think she had rebought them for me and I quote unquote mm-hmm. read them told yeah. her I read like the first two I didn't read them all they were yeah. boring as all did not even attempt the Hardy Boys I don't think although I think I told my mother that I did I hope she doesn't listen to this she won't four children I loved I also really wanted siblings as well I I took like I did not take a lot of notes during this book um I read it mostly on a plane it's tight it's like a hundred little pages oh I wanted to ask you did you read the whole series what it ends it in a way that I'm like they're not even in the boxcar anymore (laughs) No, and they like they turn into mystery books after this. Like they go to a different place and then they solve a mystery. And I read probably 20-ish of them, but not I don't think I read them in order. I think I started in order, but I I probably read a good 20 of them, if not more than that. But I really I always just kept coming back to this first one because of the boxcar. Yeah. Because that's the fun part of living in the box like why would you call them the boxcar children if they when I was doing a tiny bit of research on Gertie she kept saying like this is a mystery book and I was like no it's not the mystery is like where are we gonna get food and then the second book the title I don't remember what it was but it was something like surprise island and that sounds really different yeah I only vaguely like remember that book I don't remember what the mystery of it was I don't remember any of the story but that one it was a surprise I mean I fully did not expect it to be a mystery when I read it this one is not a mystery I don't know what you're talking about well okay but then this brings up an interesting thing that I you didn't really touch on in your intro you kind of did so she wrote this originally in 1924 and then they revised it Mm -hmm. so this little, this cutesy little new version, this little short thing, I mean, maybe the original one was a mystery because mm-hmm. I, everybody says that that one was a lot darker. I never read that. We started talking about this and I was like, God, should I go back and reread the original one? And I was like, or read the original one because I'd never read it. And I was like, it is like a lot of effort, honestly. Yeah, I, I did not go hunting for it and didn't find a lot of info about it but I, I guess like it does feel like there are things missing I think the yeah. so they have this thing with their grandfather they lose their parents and are orphaned they don't want to go to their grandfather who they've never even seen yeah which I have so many questions in there's so many questions in there yeah it what seems like maybe them? that's like a lot of what got cut out I yeah which and especially if that original one was darker or whatever I'm I mean maybe it wouldn't maybe I should go and read that because that's a lot of my notes were like the questions they have of like what happened to their parents who failed these children so badly that they were put out on the street after their parents died why did they have nowhere they could go 
Yeah. But I guess it's like, so one of the pervading things I got is like reading this, you're like, oh, it's actually really hard to like live on your own. And like, they get so much enjoyment out of like blueberries and like a cup. And so like, that's learning to be like, it's the equivalent of like children are starving in Africa, which is, I think it was like the, the refrain we always got. Yeah. Our generation. This very much feels like, I mean, this is the boomer lesson, right? This is the. Very. Yes. Yes. I mean, it really is. I mean, chapter by chapter, there's like a little lesson for everything. And that that's, I think I wrote that on like one of these pages where it ends on like a little cliffhanger. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, cliffhanger. But every single little chapter has got like a little moral, a little principle yeah. lesson in it or something like that, which is probably why parents and teachers loved it so much back in the day, especially older parents and older teachers. Yeah. Which, which is have- interesting. Like I, yeah, my dad is old. And yeah. Like, and when he did read to me, it was always longer books. I think like, you know about me and Wizard of Oz, but I think yeah. like these little books are was like, there's there's what am I gonna get from this little flimsy? Also, I am realizing I was not much of a reader. And so I was like <laughs> You you said something about this in an earlier podcast that made I like literally had to pause it and be like, How have we never talked about this? <laughs> Because yeah, I was bookish, but I read the same like five or six books mm-hmm. just over and over and over again. And they were, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, it was this first. And then I think, and then Harry Potter probably came next. And then like Twilight. Yeah. So excited. Which is coming. Yeah, that's I coming. I just remember reading a lot. I had like graphic novels of Lizzie McGuire and Kim Possible episodes. And so I remember reading those a lot. And I remember watching a lot of TV. And like it makes sense actually in hindsight as as yeah. you know a screenwriter that that I would read those yeah. a lot, but hilarious also in hindsight. That's fantastic. Oh my god. I and I like I feel like see how many other only children I know. Because mm. I feel like there's something about there's some sort of connection being an only child mm-hmm. and books. Because that's that's like your friends. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but it was fucking hard for me it to was. make connections with other people. But yeah. these, I connected with the books so easily. I mean, I didn't have to talk to anybody. Exactly. <laughs> I moved after second grade to a new neighborhood. And so there was, I moved from this group of kids that like I had already known and I had already made those those relationships aided by my parents. And then yeah. I moved to this new neighborhood and these kids just seemed like angrier maybe maybe that's just because like they were in like you know fifth sixth grade and I was in third grade and that's just like what happens in life and I didn't really engage with them and then I went to a third elementary school and then it was middle school and it was just yeah books were easier and and by the time I was in middle school I was just really gung-ho on tv and yeah yeah I I guess I didn't read a lot but I was I was darn sure gonna do the assigned reading yeah I read ahead oh yeah Oh my God. But like, I mean, so talking about the boxcar children specifically with this, this, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a phenomenon or whatever, mm-hmm. but so I didn't move elementary schools or anything like that. I went K through 10 with the same fucking right. 50 people. Oh. And um, I mean, I still, I like the person I'm living with now. Uh, we've known each other I since we were like fucking four or five years old, way too long, but she has like brothers and everybody that I knew because I'm from Indiana it's a big church area very everybody goes to church we didn't go to church 
all of these kids, they got to hang out like on the weekends and like do all of these extracurricular activities. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Where are yeah. you going? And why can't I go with you? Yeah. And it was just, just me off by myself, you know, and um, my parents worked full time. So I had to figure out something to like free under to occupy my time. And so I just read yeah. and put like the boxcar children. And then later, like I said, Harry Potter, you know, where they got these groups of friends or, you know, the siblings, the community built in. And I wanted that so badly for myself. I wanted it so, so badly. And I just, oh, so this, like the boxcar children fulfilled that. It fulfilled that sense of adventure that I craved and the independence that I really, really wanted. Because mm-hmm. as an only child, your parents are kind of like, oh, yeah. right there. Yeah. And not a whole lot of independence there yeah they try and like it's like that terrible double-edged sort of like they try and teach you independence but also the way they are they make you kind of almost codependent on Mm -hmm. that like I don't know if we've discussed this but I I bet that this was your experience as well of like being an only child but also like you're such an adult and like you can talk to adults and like hey and you're like really being adultified and then you're like I don't so I don't know how to relate to other kids and now yeah. I'm an adult and I don't know how to relate to other adults because like exactly and then and then you read books like this which were written by adults mm-hmm. so like there are kids talking like adults and so you think that that's okay and you think that yeah. that's appropriate but then when you actually try to talk to other kids like that you get bullied <laughs> yeah work out. and these kids get along so well together I think that was something that struck me really early on Benny is the youngest and then Violet is the next one and there were a lot of moments where Violet is like I know how to convince Benny to do this like I know exactly how to frame this so that he will go along with it and he was like how is Violet exhibiting so much intelligence on like how to but there's no conflict they're all really gung-ho together they have like such a clear system and I think when I started reading it and I didn't know about the whole grandfather thing because basically they have this wealthy grandfather who's like looking for them so he can take them in and like give them a good life yeah but they don't know that no yes why are they terrified of him so I start hypothesizing and I'm like, well, maybe they had a, a pair of grandparents that were in their life and were awful because I had some awful grandparents. Mm. But like, yeah, there's there's so many questions about it, especially because then you're like, so these kids chose to be homeless and to figure yeah. this all out on their own. Yeah. I, I feel like that almost undercuts the like gratefulness of it. And I think like you were saying about boomers, like I think there is a really like, if you work really hard and you're really industrious and you go help other people. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Exactly. If you just mow a lot of lawns and like pick a lot of cherries, you'll have enough and then and then someone will come in and you can afford a mortgage. Um you know four dollars what more do you need exactly (laughs) I won 25 dollars from the foot race (laughs) which I just actually I'm gonna tap on my very loud keyboard but I want to see in 1924 how much was 25 dollars almost 500 dollars (laughs) there they could have bought a house what were they doing exactly it was still the good times yeah still the good times children living in a box cart but it was the good times you know yeah I mean it sounded like a great time to me I well that was something I was like 
I think the criticism is like uh, of like little parental supervision that's bullshit but I am like these children are 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 just eating random berries and yeah. like and I'm a little worried about their safety yes and like the milk in the little refrigerator under the little waterfall I was kind of going mm. I don't know about this one and then drinking the water out of the stream just like they built like, wasn't, a full swimming pool in a stream. I was fully convinced that I was able to do that. I was like, if I had access to a stream and a bunch of rocks, I could build a swimming pool. Easy. Mm-hmm. Done. Like, it wouldn't take me any time at all. At, I was, what, seven, eight years old? I was like, Where I, are they getting I, all of these logs? They're just, there's <laughs> so many logs. And, like, I think she's from Connecticut. Maybe? Yeah, I think. Which... I've never been to Connecticut. Maybe there's more like just random logs and usable rocks up there in Connecticut than there were in Indiana, but there absolutely were not in Indiana that no. many or rocks. And I did a little bit go looking for things like mm-hmm. that. That was, I, I think the closest, you know, to, to like a, like a sibling relationship was I had with my two cousins. And after I read this book, you know, I, I spent a couple of summers with them um out running wilds at the monument mm-hmm. shop and like I I don't think I don't think Hannah Hannah was my age and then her little sister was four years younger than us I was like in my little boxcar mm-hmm. fantasy era and I was like we're gonna live in nature and Hannah was just like fuck yeah fuck yeah, yeah we are we're gonna live in nature and you know poor V was just like you have to tag along yeah yeah she would have been like four or five wouldn't she have been but um we're just dragging her along with us and like trying to build fires and shit like that girl we were nasty little kids just running around did we make it no we did not the only thing I could really think of was like there was a girl who lived across the street from me for just a year or two it was really brief and she was two years older than me and I think we were both only children so there was this huge hill like across the street from my parents house and so one year it's got this giant gorgeous tree tons of leaves so we took all of the leaves one fall and somehow compacted them into a tiny sofa and 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 so we like made a whole living room and we're like this is the sofa and this is the tv and like i thought it was a real accomplishment and i think looking back it's like those are mounds those are just piles but i love that they went to the dump sustainable thrift stores i was at a thrift my boyfriend came home from the thrift store two nights ago and he brought home a giant painting it's like a, a reprint but it's a giant reprint of a fragonard painting with a gorgeous frame and he came in and he was like when did you pose for this Oh my God! What a line! <laughs> I know. A line. Was, you must have thought that this is like a forty-five minute walk, man. You had a lot of time for that. And then he had a b- little tiny balloon dog, and he goes, "I found this on the ground." <laughs> and then the third thing was a giant ceramic cookie jar of a pig in puffy overalls. But I can't tell if he's smiling or evil. It's very scary. But I love a thrift store. I went to the thrift store the other day and I found this mushroom that they had at Target for $3 for like Halloween. And I kept wanting to buy it. My boyfriend's like, no, you don't need it. You don't need it. And then I found it for a dollar. So now I do need a sign. Absolutely. No, yeah. The the dump I did, the only page that I marked in this book was the page with the uh, the little shelf the drawing. Shelf. Mm-hmm. Oh my 
pot and little the little chipped up dishes and stuff like that. Oh, I loved them going to the dump again because I have a shit memory. I remember as a kid, or maybe it was just because when you're a kid, things are so much bigger yeah. than they are now. I remember that dump scene being so much bigger than it actually mm-hmm. was. Like, yeah. But like my dad is a big trash picker still to this day. The man's 60 one year 62 years old 61 whatever it is still we'll just pull shit right out of the trash pull over on the side of the road there's something sitting at the end of somebody's driveway that's coming home with him does he need it no but he might he might use it you never know you never know Uh, and i am terribly afraid that i inherited that from him and then this book was like yeah that's that's good though yeah that's a good trait that's a solid quality of a person to have you don't need to buy new things Maybe that's why, you know, maybe I'll just blame all my problems on the box card. (laughs) Yeah, salad. Running away from things. Exactly. Don't throw anything away. Go live in the woods in a box car and don't talk to your grandfather. So let's talk about grandfathers. Yes. I think this is the next interesting thing. Yes. Because I know you have very interesting relationships with, I think, both sets of your grandparents, right? Yeah, kind of. Um, one of them, like, my dad's parents are were just much older, so they died um, when I was much younger. And yeah. they, they're they just funny people. So on my dad's side, my grandfather was a construction worker and a drummer. My grandfather, like, very clearly had depression. And so he was a drinker. He uh, stepped out a lot on my mom or on my grandma. And um, my grandmother was, she was so cool. I think like she died when I was pretty young and I really like lionized her. I was like, she's, I mean, you, we went to college. You, you, I wrote a pilot where she's a secret agent. Like, (laughs) and she's really cool. All my family's from Kentucky. So she had a music store in the mall where like a lot of bluegrass legends would like come in and and buy stuff. And she also managed the mall in Lexington, Kentucky. And when my dad was in college, my dad got married and then got divorced after like a year. And then a year or two later, he finishes college and his parents divorce. And he always makes the joke of like, I gave them the idea. What a good guy. And then when my grandfather died, we were at my grandmother's house, like about to go to the funeral. And we're like, hey, Pat, you sure you don't want to come? We're about to leave. And she goes, nah, <laughs> too much water under that bridge. I'm good. And then knowing her, as soon as we left, she probably put on criminal lines. Uh, she was like an early adopter of criminal it's lines. It's a solid coping mechanism. I think yeah. criminal lines has a place in absolutely- I remember watching the first season finale with her. That was the first time I ever saw that show. Was that yeah. episode? Is it? It's a good one. Mandy Patinkin is there. Oh, Mandy Patinkin. And then my mom's parents. My mom's mom was a full monster, full monster. And her dad was like, in the end, a good guy. I think both of my grandfathers were just like, kind of like weak personalities, like <laughs> who just got stepped on a lot. Um, but he yeah. was also like the community college dean, the historian of his really small town, wrote the book on it twice. We didn't know there was enough for two. He would, like, in his later years, he was, like, losing his faculties, but would still just, like, go to the the dock and just start giving lectures to people about the history of the town. If Your grandparents, say say some. Um, so, uh, well, my mom's parents died when I was very young. Yeah. Uh, that's, I could do 10 episodes of a podcast just on my mom's yeah. parents. But what, what really was my, my dad's dad in particular mm-hmm. is how I related to this book, I think, the most. 
Um, so my dad and his older brother and their mom and um, Peg was her name. And then Roy is my grandfather. They divorced when my, my dad and his brother were young and Roy remarried to wife number two and wife number two hated my dad and his brother that whole thing oh, and so gosh. i up to like age 18 i've had met my grandfather i think four maybe five times mm. of significance didn't know him didn't like him from a distance because i didn't know him and the only thing i knew about him was that you know he, he and my grandmother had split up and she had always hated him my great aunt had always hated him i never met my grandmother she died in 89 mm -hmm. uh, and so all I knew about that whole relationship was the very tiny bit I got from my dad, which was not much. And then from my great aunt Pat, who kind of was a kind of substitute grandmother, but she always made it pretty clear that I was not her grandchild. Complicated, better yes. relationship. But, um, and it, but she was like, that's a terrible man. Don't like him. He doesn't like you. His wife doesn't like you. Their two new boys don't like you. And every time I met them, wife number two was cold. Mm -hmm. She was very cold. And then Roy was just, so then fast forward, wife number two dies. And he remarries. And now he's on wife number three. Um, her name's Jeanette. She's great. She's gotten him therapy, drugs, a fucking PTSD diagnosis. The man has had PTSD since Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. He is so steady. He's drinking less. He has gone full. He was very right-wing, conservative, insane person all the way to the other side. Now he's Mr. You know, women's rights, gay rights, trans rights. Like He's still weirdly very pro-military, but he's very cool. He's like the greatest dude. But when I was a kid, I was fucking terrified of him because he was a mystery. I didn't know anything yeah. about him. The only thing I had ever heard, my dad didn't talk about him ever. My mom would kind of be like, oh, you know, he wasn't great. He wasn't there for your dad when he was a kid. And I was terrified of him. And I was like, so I get these kids. Yeah. I feel terrified of their grandfather. I was like, yeah, grandfathers are people to be terrified of. Absolutely. That was not my experience with my mom's dad, but that's, a, again, mm -hmm. a whole other story. <laughs> like, I get it. My personal little backstory for these children is that grandfather Alden didn't like the spouse. Mm, yeah. And that I, makes sense. Yeah, he would be their dad's dad because they have his name. So like I was like, he didn't like the wife for some reason. Something about she was from the wrong side of the tracks or some something like that. Yeah. Wrong but, religion or something. Yeah. Yeah, that could be another one too. Or Let's not bring race into it, but maybe she, maybe they're, these kids are biracial. It could be. It certainly wouldn't help. Probably not. In 1924 slash 42, 42 sounds right. The grandfather thing was terrifying. I mean, and especially, I, I almost, now that we're talking about mystery and now that I'm thinking about it, almost leaving it a mystery, mm -hmm. that kind of gives it another layer other than just the, you know, very straightforward sentences and story plot lines or whatever. I really remember this book being a lot more complicated than it is. 
I think I was doing some research and I think she said like the educational books that I think kids had when you were really young were like Jack and Jill and those yeah. were real boring but had like really yeah. clear sentence structure and so I think the, yeah. the goal with this was like let's have it be interesting as you're learning to read you yeah. know rather than yeah. just like here's a dog although save the cat moment right off the bat save that dog I completely forgot there was a dog oh my god yeah I didn't know there was a dog and then when it was introduced I was like of course there is yeah that yeah yeah absolutely and of course they're gonna name it something very simple they're like oh it's okay he'd be a good watchdog well let's name him watch perfect yeah I mean I the teddy bear I had since I was very young was named teddy very nice a solid name yeah the first chapter is set up with this baker's family the baker's wife does not like children explicitly says it i took minimal minimal notes within the book because i bought mm-hmm. this again and literally she said the baker's wife did not like children i wrote same and then the next page she's like well actually i would like to have kids around because i don't like doing dishes and then that's the page where where benny says we have a grandfather in greenfield but we don't like him and I think that's all it says. And I think that was made it interesting because then Jesse puts her hand over the boy's mouth to, to keep him quiet. And it's like, oh, there's stakes. There's danger. What else would he say if she yeah. let, let him run? Just exactly see what he would say. This first chapter is, I mean, it's really, it's a good opening chapter. Yeah. It creates a lot of intrigue. It's right in the middle in media res. But they're always like very jolly children until the end when Violet gets a mysterious illness from laughing too hard and then crying too hard. Feels like an ultimate mental breakdown right there. Uh, Yeah. I think I have BPD. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you got it. That I think like as a writer, that could make sense of like, Violet is just now realizing like her parents are dead and we're homeless and life is really stressful. I don't think that's what it is. I don't, yeah, I think it's probably, it's probably just like a, we got to get to the next part of the story. Bronchitis or something. I don't know. I don't know what kind of sickness makes you cry uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. But they are like swimming in a creek and maybe just has some bacterial. That's terrifying. The next note I have is Jesse liked to have things in order. Same. Maybe they each represent a mental illness. Mm, Winnie the Pooh. Henry's delusional. He's so optimistic. He's, um, he's so like, He's a go-getter, mm-hmm. but I, and then, yeah, and then she'd be like obsessive compulsive and then Violet's got some hysteria. I don't know. Yeah. Let's say olden times. Maybe Benny's been dead the whole time. Well, I did just listen to an audiobook, but that was the twist. God. <laughs> My next note is Benny says dogs don't like cheese. That's not what TikTok has led me to believe. Not accurate at all. Storzy's dogs will literally come from every corner of the house. You just open a bag of cheese and they're like the the cheese tax. Cheese tax. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And then this is the moment where they're trying to get Benny to to wash. And Violet says, you know, that'll be fun, Benny. We'll splash our paws in the brook just as little brown bear does. She knew that Benny did not like to be washed. Where are you getting this from, Violet? I Again, I want to know these kids' backstory so bad. And you never get it, right? In the rest no. of the books, it's just on to the next. The no, real mystery I... is what happened to these kids. 
I'm sure there were like little like details or whatever, but again, when you're seven, eight, nine years old as a reader, you don't care about any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I've learned from at least the Wizard of Oz books and especially like the, there's always an opening letter from the author that's very telling. When you write 19 of these books, you don't remember what's what's happening in all of them. Like L. Frank Baum made conflicting maps of Oz, just fully forgot yeah. which side Munchkinland was on. <laughs> like, fully just riding by the seat of your pants trying to make which like in the end I I forgive because it's like he just wants to make kids smile Um, and like you said they don't really care I'm trying to like read through my notes my handwriting Mm -hmm. atrocious my next one is what fun cried Jesse eating with spoons it is I mean that is yeah (laughs) although one time do I have it right here it doesn't matter. One time I was digging in the lawn in the place I used to live at. And I found a full spoon. It was it was like a baby spoon, but it had like an enamel handle. It was really nice. Oh my God. I usually, so I'm like, I'm sitting at my little art desk or whatever. I usually have a spoon around here. I definitely have an old knife. He's all fucked up on the end, but I've usually got, because I, in, I inherited, I say inherited maybe not the most accurate term, but uh, my mother was like, I'm going to throw away all of this old silverware, mm-hmm. like cool old with like, yeah. uh, her dad collected like spoons and shit that had all those states on them. Oh, on, like the handle or whatever. And so she was like, I'm going to throw these 20 spoons away if you don't take them. And I was like, again, because this book said, yeah, you use old shit. You can't what let fun. anything go to waste. Mm-hmm. Take those spoons. Um, they get a little weird when you put them through the dishwasher, so I don't really use them for eating anymore, but I use them for, like, paint and shit like yeah. that. Did you see that picture of that mobile I sent you? Yeah. Those were Beanie Baby heads attached okay. to sunflowers and a hula hoop. So, like, I was looking at that, trying to, like, kind of figure out what the fuck those things were. And I was like, mm-hmm. I figured they were little, like, stuffed animal things. Oh. I saw they were stuffed animal heads and then one had a beanie baby baby tag on it. It was like, those could be money. That's a choice. You know, you had to be, unless it was like really early days, you had to be like, you know what? I'm chopping these and I'm going to money be damned. I'm going to make this for myself. You know, I never really got into the beanie baby things when I was a kid. I know I had a couple, but what I really got into, Webkin's. Oh, I knew you were going to say Webkin's. Hell yeah. They had to be banned in my elementary school. I think his kids were gambling on them or something. Yeah. Like trading them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could like trade a little card or whatever like that. And then I vaguely remember like third or fourth grade, we were not allowed to bring the actual stuffed animal in. Yeah. But everybody, they were, they were like trading cards. Yeah. Oh my God. What a good time. Now they're like free. You can just like go on there. There are like the specialty ones or whatever that you still oh, have to yeah. like buy the actual animal or whatever. But like you don't have to. You can just get a free animal and like create a Webkins account. And don't ask me how I know that. Yeah. COVID lockdown was an interesting time. No, like, absolutely. Went on. One time, I don't even know what caused it. One time, April Consolo and I were like, I wonder if we can find like the Barbie Princess computer games online. You can. Those were the best. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh and my god. And there was a, a Beauty and the Beast CD-ROM that that I found Ooh. online because you could like color the stained glass. Yeah. That's Selena. So Selena White and I like text back and forth mm-hmm. every once in a while, and um, we were talking about some. I don't remember what it's called, and I didn't remember either back then. But she sent me like a like a screenshot, and then she sent me a YouTube link of some like preschool kindergarten. It was a CD-ROM game mm-hmm. or whatever. 
go into the classroom and then you can play all the little mini games. And I wept. I just, the visceral reaction, like, you know, cause you, you go back and you like, you can like, I could smell the old fucking piano or the, the, mm-hmm. that had the piano in the computer room when I grew up and like, I could hear the little noises and all that. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. It was insane. There's some app that I always get ads for that has like a little like beaver badger guy in like blue jeans. And he reminds me of um, like computer games that I had growing up that just like yeah. something about the animation style. And I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not going to download this because this is really annoying. But there's something about you, sir. <laughs> there's something there. <laughs> oh, my God. Which I just and I'm just such a sap anymore. Like, I feel like I'm completely losing any edge I ever had. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I feel like we're like very edgy children. I think, I feel like at least me and so probably, but you also as only children are like learning how to be children finally. Yes. And that's, and that's why I have such intense reactions to like your podcast and like reading of these books. And I'm like, part of it is so like, there's such a huge yearning almost because like you know you're reading I'm gonna get in trouble for this one I never read Princess Diaries Mm -hmm. and then like you guys read Pop Princess and all this and like I completely skipped over like all the middle school books Mm -hmm. because I was reading fucking Harry Potter and Twilight in like fourth fifth sixth grade and then you know and then I was like a college-aged reader or whatever yeah and so I was like I'm not even gonna fuck with the middle school books and so I just like skipped and then I was reading fucking John Grisham at fucking seventh grade. <laughs> and, of course um, you were. <laughs> oh my God. I read so many of these bo- those books and like teachers were just like, oh, all right. I was just sitting there in their class reading John Grisham, not paying any attention. To what's going on up there. Oh my God. I was, again, not a popular kid. Yeah, you're reading like dad airport books. Oh, and speaking of Jurassic Park, I then read Jurassic Park. That's the only book my dad has like read and highly recommend. <laughs> you were talking about your dad reading to you or whatever. Yeah. I, so my dad and your dad being dyslexic. I don't think my dad's dyslexic. I just, he does not read. Yeah. Um, he tried to read. The only book he ever really tried to read to me was Arabian Nights. And he okay. did. And this is when I was like two or three years old. No. Yeah, this man was working, you know, like 10, 12 hour shifts at a factory and then he'd come home and he'd just be dead tired, but he like, he never saw me when I was a baby or anything like that. So he'd sit down and try and read this and he'd be out like a light, like in a second. And my Mm -hmm. mom would find him snoring and I'd be off doing whatever I would be doing. So my dad was not a big reader and I told him about the boxcar children and how I, because I reread this in 20 minutes. I'll be very honest with you. I then went back through and kind of took some notes and everything like that. But like, I was like, oh yeah, I read it in 20 minutes. And he goes, it took me a fucking week to read that. And I was like, don't Funny. think so. <laughs> so like, I never read any of the, you know, the middle school books or that you guys read. And I was like, God. I, I really like, recommend Princess Diaries. That is, it's really good. And it's surprisingly like, it, it sounds so denigrating to be like, it's surprisingly well-written, but like genuinely very funny, holds up very well. Yeah. I, it's in my Amazon wish list. I need to. There's a big used bookstore like eight minutes down the road from us. Oh. First of all, I've only gone a couple of times. We tried to go this past Sunday and it every single parking spot in the lot was filled. 
I was just like, I'm not doing this. I was like, mm-hmm. that's too many people for me. It was like at the end of, we went Christmas shopping all morning Ooh. and two o'clock in the afternoon and I work nights. So like, I'm like, that's Burned the middle of the I'm Austin. And so I was like, I'm not doing this, but um, I've been looking for the boxcar children and I, and I never did find it. So I ended up having to like get this one new. This is, this is another great thing about living with Casey is she's got her two brothers and they all, they have little tiny babies and kids now. So I'm just oh. going to voice this off on one of the children. Yeah. <laughs> But I keep meeting, like, I, I literally, I've, I've been writing a list of, like, all the books you guys, like, read. Because, like, I wanted to listen to, like, pop or I, and then Spotify is doing mm-hmm. the 50 hours of free audiobooks now or whatever. Um, and I, I, I started Pop Princess, and then it made me think too much about Britney Spears, so I went and listened mm-hmm. to her audiobook. But yeah. um, this is on the list. Just, I, ooh, ooh, yeah. there's something about going back to the childhood books because I just I feel like I missed so so much yeah I I think that's a an only child thing because you become like your parents roommate exactly more than anything else like you know I was at this party last night talking to a bunch of people with siblings and they're like you know you you go back to your family and they're like we don't care that you're actors you know we don't just just sit there and I was like no I go home and my parents just stare at me they're like, we love you so much. We're so proud. I mean, it really is. I'm, I'm a little bit. I want to say both fortunate, but I also resent it a little bit mm-hmm. because my mother has replaced me with dogs. Yeah. So she's got the three rescue dogs, and you know the one's ancient, and like the other one is a. I'm sorry, he's a basket case. He yes. Is, I mean, the sweetest boy, and he's been through so much, but he takes up so much of her time. And so, like, I went home for my my Thanksgiving, Christmas. I went home the first weekend of December to celebrate with them or whatever. And I just, they were just like, all right, hey, man, how's it going? Yep. And then that was it. And I was just like, okay, yeah. you know, and it's, so I'm almost like the complete opposite of what, what you've got going on. But it's still, yeah. it does not feel, like, they don't feel like my parents, you know? Yeah. The way that other people talk about their parents and their that's when it was I think sophomore year of college I watched Gilmore Girls and I was like what (laughs) I love and I just I feel terrible because like right now my mom and I have we're good we're pretty Mm -hmm. solid right now the distance helps so much Mm -hmm. oh my god distance helps so much but like I and that's and that was always that's always my fear going home is like you spend more than three or four days and it becomes almost a competition Mm -hmm. it becomes like this you know where she's like, well, when I was your age and, you know, well, here's what I would do if I were you. And I'm like, but you're not, I'm yeah. not you, you're not me. And we're not the same person. And it's yeah. just so hard. Yeah. With my mom, it's, it's a competition of who's suffering the most. And I, like, and you, you can have that, ma'am. You can have that, but also other people can have hard times too at the same time. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I, family's hard. Family is. And when you're an only child, it's like, it's all you've got. Yeah. It, especially like, like you said, like both my parents worked full-time jobs. My mom worked from home. So she was working, she was there, but she was working. Yeah. My dad had a huge commute. He, so he yeah. like woke up super early, got home super late. Cause it's DC traffic. He had to like drive around the whole city to get from one place to the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like a book like this is so such a bomb because not only are they all there, they all get along. Like Narnia doesn't even have that. All these kids yeah. get along. They like, and the, like the, 
other children like I brought that line up about Jesse always wanting things in order and there's a line about Henry too where he's like I highlighted this just because I like to do this but also so he goes he put the tools in the toolbox and the nails in the nail box and it was fun for him because he liked to get things in order what's his issue what's going on there bro I like and I'm I you know I'm assuming that it's something to do with I I mean were they parentified or whatever you know were they made to look after their younger siblings so much that they have to have everything I I mean I get it I mean me too because that's Mm -hmm. the only thing I can control in my life or when I was a kid it was like the only thing I had a lot of control over was my stuff because that was you know like my mother in particular showed her affection by buying me things and then proceeded to call me a spoiled brat. Yep. yep, yep. My mom called me behind my back, called me a spoiled brat while we were moving me out of my senior dorm. And I was like, I know you're upset. Yeah. Um, But I was like, I just graduated. And I know that you're upset because I'm leaving and I'm an adult now, but come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you meet, you meet, you read kids like this that just, a the parents aren't a problem because they're not in the picture mm-hmm. they're never oh. even mentioned or even mentioned like even the relationship of like oh I miss mom and dad or you know mm-hmm. uh that sucked that that happened nothing you get nothing. nothing and they're just they all love each other and they're friends and siblings and they can live together out in the wood oh, it's wild it's, it really is it's, this is, mm, I don't know. Yeah. My next highlighted I mean, thing is like the children yeah. like hard work. I wish. Yeah. I wish that could be me. I wish yeah. I like hard work. No. When I'm like you were, you were talking about organizing and, and, and controlling your space to this day, when I am home with my parents and I need a break, I'll go down to the basement and rearrange my mom's bookshelf just by mm. no order at all. Just yeah. for kicks. Yeah. Because it's, it's so, and I mean, I do the same thing here with my books just like just you can finally put things in place you know there's an order that you can impose on the world yes which is it it just it's so empowering it makes you feel so steady because that was I you know I lived at my mother's I don't know whatever you want to say command I guess you know go here do this clean your room well why why do I need to clean my room nobody's coming in there except for me because I said so that was that was all her. She mm-hmm. had complete control over that. And even even a little bit later, you know, into my you know teenagedom, um, she gave me a little bit more freedom, almost of like, well, you know, if you get bugs in your room, that's on you. If you know you get mold or whatever, she's like, that is a lesson you need to learn because clearly, what I've been trying to do has not been helping. So just whatever you got to do. But even just like having the control of not putting shit away, yeah, magnificent. Oh my God. Yeah. And then now, of course, I'm like, it's a controlled mess. Yeah. It's a controlled chaos. I know where it works. Yeah. yeah. These books just, they're bringing up a lot of, a lot of shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Next thing I have is, is they're ch- picking the cherries for the doctor. So convenient that it's a doctor, by the way. Yeah. And, they're, and he says There's- like, yeah, all the kids can come back because you're happy workers. And I, and I was like, God damn it. I don't want to talk about capitalism here, but here we go. For a dollar each. And he wins $25 for running in this race. But the yeah. the reward for finding these kids is $5,000. What the fuck? 
and, and this is, oh, and that was the other thing that like I had not, I had completely glossed over as a kid. And then I only noticed it when I, re- their grandfather had maids. Yeah. Who the maids. Maids in 19, you know, so like say this was set in 1942 or yeah. whatever. How rich do you have to be to have maids? Yeah. Also to have a, an entire boxcar transport, because at the end of the book, they move in with their grandfather yes. and then they're like, they're sad because they miss the boxcar. They miss living there. He's like, I'm going to get you a surprise. And he has this whole ass boxcar moved into his backyard for them to use his playhouse. That's a big ass backyard. A big ass backyard. Oh my God. I want a grand. I wish my grandfather was like this. I know. He's great as he is, but like, yeah, he could be better. My shitty grandparents had an amazing backyard. It was yeah. just, just like, Kentucky is so green and it was just lush and they had, they had a little porch and they had the, the little swing on the porch The I guess it's a glider. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. That's Casey and I are talking about going up to visiting. My grandfather lives in Maine now mm. and we're going up there. We're talking about moving there just straight up just for something I don't know. I just need something different, you know what I'm saying? But yes. I've never been to his house, but he's got a lot of land or whatever. And that's what I was thinking about when I was reading this. And I was like, oh God. I was like, do Maine and Connecticut look similar at all in landscape? It's like, I don't really know. I mean, everything up there is, all the states are so small. They yeah. have to, probably. Yeah. I mean, hills, trees. Yeah. What more Lumber everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Big flat rocks that you can just build stuff with. Put in a oh. cart that like a four-year-old can put in a cart and lug masonry around. This is okay. This is one thing that I, I maybe, I don't know if I missed this or not. Does it say their ages? Oh, I have no clue. But Benny is very much baby of the family. Oh. Okay. So literally second page because I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> the little boy said he was about five years old. Okay. He was about 10 years old. Is Violet. Oh. So then I'm assuming Jesse was probably 11 or 12 and mm-hmm. Henry's probably 13 or 14. See, I thought Violet would have been much younger, like much closer to Benny's age. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. Seven or eight. Yeah. And then I put them all really young. Yeah. It makes sense, maybe. Yeah, you know. were talking about how many, all of the, the pages beforehand. My Mine is, my book is on an app, so you can change yeah. the, the size and pages. Seven pages of other titles holy shit but the last one the raptor oh. rescue yes so that's, that? i was i was trying to go through this the other night where i was like trying to go okay so i know that i read surprise island yellow house i know i read mike's mystery blue bay woodshed lighthouse and then i was kind of going through the rest of it. i was like the panther mystery the mystery of the queen's jewels and then, yeah, at the very end, it goes into, yeah, the fucking the raptor rescue, the great Greenfield Bake Off, the what? donut who done it, the yes. celebrity cat caper, the, the legend zombie. of the howling yes. werewolf. Oh, there's a zombie. Yeah, the zombie yeah. project. These start I, getting into like Magic Treehouse and Bailey School Kids. There's yeah, grinning gargoyle. Yeah, this is the creature in Ogopogo Lake. Yeah. Yeah, I like the zombie project is wedged between Monkey Trouble and The Great Turkey Heist, which sounds like a Bob's Burgers episode. It really does. 
Maybe that's where they're getting all their ideas is from um, the Bob's children. My really controversial opinion is Bob's Burgers needs to stop doing musical numbers. You're writing like five minutes of story. One a season. Yeah. That's all we need. We don't need it that often. Like I can't, I love that show so much, but like I literally cannot watch. Mm -mm. I haven't watched the like last season and a half because I'm just like, it's it's fatiguing. Yes. It really makes me very tired it's too much yeah so like I'm working retail right now so I'm working at a big TJ Maxx home goods in Brentwood Tennessee which is one of the suburbs of Nashville and it's the new money so I mm-hmm. live in Belmead which is the old money and then I go and I work in and when I tell you you know the Mercedes the Bentleys the you know the really expensive Audis and all that kind of shit and I keep meeting these people because I'm not even wearing like a fucking name tag. I work overnights. I do stocking, but I happen to be there while customers are there. And they just, they're like, you work here. They're like, help me out with something. And they're music executives. They're record producers. They're sound engineers. You know, they work with fucking Taylor Swift and all of, I don't know any of the country artists anymore, but like they work with all of these and you're just like, holy shit. And I'm like, I have to watch what I, because I hate country. I hate modern country Mm -hmm. music. So much post 9-11 yeah oh it's really yeah oh my god you get subjected to it a lot mm-hmm. here yeah all of the radio and you're just like jesus fucking christ you know because it yeah. is i listen to a lot of old country i listen to a lot of folk like there's some great yeah. stuff in there like culture wall is fucking great uh if you're interested because he's got that old sound but yeah. he's so good I'm really excited about, I, I don't watch The Voice. I literally only see this on TikTok, but that girl, Ruby Lee, who's on um, Reba McIntyre's team, who yodels. Ooh. I will send you a TikTok with her because her sound is just fucking gorgeous. Oh my God. That is the, the one good-ish mm-hmm. thing about being here is that it kind of has reminded me how much I love music. And shit like that. I mean, can't sing. Good. I can't, well, I can't. I can, but I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said this to somebody. Somebody at work or whatever. I, one of the, the, these fucking customers or some shit comes up to me and they're like, "So why did you move to Nashville?" And I was like, "To be a country singer because I'm an asshole." And they were like, "Good luck with that." And I was yeah. like, "Have a good day." <laughs> and I was telling Casey about it, and I was just like, "Just to be a." fucking dick about it I think it's so funny to tell people that I moved here to be a country music singer (laughs) one thing I do want to talk about with the boxcar children and I don't know if your like digital version had this at Mm -hmm. all but like from a painter's perspective yeah illustrations Mm -hmm. this is one thing I was so worried because this cover and I obviously our audio listeners can't Mm -hmm. see this but like like if you google this is not my cover of the boxcar children this Mm -hmm. is not what supposed to look like apparently they did a movie here a couple of years ago like an animated movie which i'm oh. not going to watch but they redid these covers at some point i hate this <laughs> it's just so and i guess i mean they are for ages seven to ten but this is just not it's too colorful you know mm. um because of what i remember is the illustrations inside that are just straight up black and white and i was like god i hope that these illustrations are still here and I, as a young kid, as a young artist, as a kid who who liked to draw, yeah. I tried to recreate these all the time. And I never could. Because they look like woodblock, right? They're all they, silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. And they're just, I mean, 
the one where with the blueberries or whatever mm -hmm. I also love the little like inserts of like all the little vegetables that yeah. just right in the middle of the text is so so great but I mean these made such an impact on me the dump yeah. again I know I'm so sorry to the audio listeners that you guys can't see this I'm I'm like literally holding this book up as though people are going to see this but these illustrations had such a huge impact on me as a kid who liked to draw but then also the the descriptions in this book while simple mm -hmm. were so effective again as a little artist or whatever I would sit here and I would try and draw the box car and I'd like like little floor plans about how I would plan out my box car little fucking nerd but like I was so happy to see that this new version of this book still had these because that was like my biggest fear because mm -hmm. again when I was looking at the used bookstores I was trying to find the original like version that I had the copy that I had read when I was a kid couldn't find it so I was like dear god I hope it still has they're just perfect not yeah. too much detail or anything like that but they give you I mean they the vibe the energy matches here with the you know the simple sentence structure yeah. and, the story and everything and then these very simple pictures that just oh they're so great they're so effective very exciting stuff it's really not but again I was a very I was a square as a kid and I was like pictures illustration yeah. how was it overall revisiting it god it it's very different than what I remember again when you're a kid mm -hmm. things are so big they are so this book was so I mean I keep using the word impactful I hate that but I mean it was my favorite book for yeah. so long for a couple good couple of years this was this was my book this made me want to read this made me want to keep reading as an adult clearly not from our time yeah. obviously very very boomer sexist very sexist mm -hmm. the little little tiny notes of you know like the boys were building the swimming mm -hmm. pool the girls were like getting dinner ready and that was their job they did the dinner and the boys did the other work and all that kind of you know that was difficult to read and to kind of you know make sense in my brain that you know I loved this book so much and I just didn't notice that stuff as a kid yeah I think especially because there, there's not like, it's all very implicit. It's that Henry yeah. will go out and take care of the family and Jesse yeah. will tend to the house. So yeah. it feels more individual, I think, rather than systemic. From, yeah. If you don't, if you don't bring that to it, if you're a kid, but yeah. it's there. Yeah. And the fact that it was my mother that recommended this book and yeah. that she had also read that at some point is just, I don't know. I, that, that's life, I guess. Right. I don't know. It was a... Uh... It's just like, it's weird. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes me sad. But it was also, this book brought me so much comfort as a kid that like, I've got like kind of the echo of that anymore. Yeah. But like, it also does remind me that I wanted this sense of community that these kids had together. I wanted that kind of a bond with other people mm -hmm. so, so much. And I never found it. Yeah. And I spent, you know, the last probably 10 years making peace with that. Now I'm not saying I won't find that sense of community mm -hmm. at some point, which would be amazing. But you know, as an only child, you kind of gotta you gotta figure this stuff out on your own. Yeah. And reading about siblings is great, but it's hard. Yeah. To this there day. Are, there are not many books about just only children that I remember that I read. Mm -hmm. It's such a it's such a different experience of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if you have siblings, then you're just sort of like, oh, shut up. But it really is. Yeah. It's really different. Yeah. 
let's see i'm trying to remember like twilight is the biggest one that i know where she's like an only yeah. child and harry potter but yeah but he had the cousin which is kind yeah. of like a pseudo sibling and they had kind of the whole you know siblings that hate each other kind of vibe yeah and i think that's also like so much of that book and book series is about how special that one individual is yeah and I think also the the thing that um, I think resonated with Harry Potter with so many kids is that you found a place where you belong. Like that that sense of community was so inherent in it. And the element of like, there's a reason why you feel different. I think that's the same thing with Percy Jackson is there's yeah. a reason why you feel alienated. Yeah. And that's well, kind of Twilight too, is because yeah. she was built to be a vampire. Mm-hmm. You just smell like, different. Yes. Oh no. She thinks differently. Her brain's broken. I don't know. Reading this book as an adult was, I don't want to say hard, but mm-hmm. kind of hard. Like it was yeah. trying to make sense of, you know, why I loved it so much as a kid versus now. Just kind of like, all right, that, you know, it's yeah. a book. It's great. You made a book. Yeah. They, she wrote a book a long time ago and they cut pieces out of it and made a different book. Mm-hmm. I should go looking for at least more information on the differences because there are... Yeah, there are holes. There, there are it, oddities. And I wonder, because like what's so, I mean, I know you'll ask this question. Is this required reading to yeah. get to me, know me as a person? No, but I think this is a- <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> I, there's that answer for you. But I think this is a great option for kids to introduce them to chapter books. Absolutely. I have a couple of friends that I work with at Michael's that are teachers now. And I, I don't know what side of TikTok you're on, but I'm getting all of this- you know, residual from the pandemic, but yeah. also from the no child left behind bullshit of these kids literally cannot fucking read. Yeah. They can't read. And like, how do you make them want to read? And, you know, mm-hmm. it at home, obviously, but like, there are not many books. You, you can't just go from Dr. Seuss to Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. You can't do it. That's just not how this works. You need something that transitions you gently. And I think this is a good gentle yeah. transition because you're talking it's, it is it's simple sentence structure it's simple it's a very simple story yeah there are not many twists and turns it's very easy to understand yeah everything all comes together in the end really easily yeah. like every there's nothing extraneous like the thing that the dog hears is the doctor coming to check on them and everything yeah. is resolved pretty much yeah pretty much yeah i think you have to be like in your 20s to to eke out all of those mm-hmm. weird questions but for kids this is very it's a it's a very neatly wrapped little present yeah Uh, I think it's a great great option and I just I don't have kids I'm not around any kids so I don't know if this is still something that they I mean obviously you didn't have to read it in school I mean we and I don't know if other kids at my school read it but I know Miss Reed in third grade read this aloud to us and again, I sat there probably for about five minutes until I was like, all right, I've already read this. I'm bored. Yeah. And then I went out to the next ones. But I, it's just such a great, gentle introduction. Again, it made me want to read more of this series. And then as you go on, you get more and more complicated. It introduces you to different genres too. Yeah. Really good. Because mm-hmm. it goes from, I don't really know what kind of genre this is. I don't know what you call yeah. it. It's, it's, I think it's, what's interesting is how deeply rooted and like realism it is. Cause I think that's something yeah. I'm noticing is that I, I did not read realistic stuff when I, I wanted dragons. I wanted talking mice, you know, I yeah. like, exactly. That was what well, interested me. This goes from, from realism into 
you know, mystery, mm-hmm. which, you know, but it also, this, this one does have a good sense of adventure or whatever, Yeah. but yeah, I think that will, that would move you very quickly into the dragons and the magic yeah. tree house and the, this and the, that and the other, but absolutely. I, I see the realism in this just, this is such a, such an odd little book. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a very comforting little book, you know? Yeah. When you're a kid. Now it's, I have questions. Yeah. It is a little dry. There's not, it's not funny. It's not, they are definitely mm-hmm. more caricatures than they are characters. They're little plot devices to teach you morals and principles. Yeah. But like you said, it's a, it's a step from. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part about this book is that it makes you want to read other books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug? My Instagram, uh, at mmdouglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S, 945. If you guys want any art, my commissions are open. Uh, I don't have a commissions sheet open right now or off right now with all my prices or whatever. So just contact me and we can work something out. But I'm just hanging out in Nashville trying to figure out what's next. That's all you can do. Listen to required reading. They already are. I'm not sure why it needs to be, but you should go listen to all of the episodes. This, oh my God, I can't. The Catching Fire. Okay. <laughs> you can cut this out. We got to talk about Hunger Games and Catching Fire though. First of all, how did you not read those when you were a kid? Where, what were you doing? Where were you? Um, I mean, I was I was onto TV at that point, And I I don't know. I mean, I, I know I was reading Nick and Roy's Infinite Playlist. I know. I know I was. I don't know. I just didn't. My mom did. Your mom. <laughs> oh, my God. Girl, see, and you're like, you're reading those and you guys are going through and like analyzing everything. And I'm just like sitting here thinking about poor sad little boxcar children. And I'm just like, eh, I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> we don't have a lot of theme or subtext in this one, but oh my God, I'm sitting here talking to you guys. Like, yeah. Talking on the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Such, oh, it's so good. This is such a great fucking idea for a podcast. Thank you. If there are any more books you want to do, come on, come back. I like mm-hmm. I read these and then I moved into Harry Potter and then Twilight and then I was reading adult books. Yeah. While I was a kid. So like I can't think of But I mean, if there are any of those adult books that were impactful, I mean I mean we just did streetcar, you know? Yeah. That was <laughs> big turn. I, big turn. I, I know that I saw that on your Instagram. I saw you plug that and then I was just like and then the episode came up and I was like, wait, like the streetcar name desire? I yeah. was like, Am I missing a kid's book? No, and that I was one. Like, oh shit. I was like, oh yeah it was fantastic i mean we could just sit down and bash um the scarlet letter if you want to oh, absolutely i've oh, never shit. read it yeah honestly i think i've only read it all the way through once hated it it was terrible good we haven't done like a hate episode yet and i want to we should do a, an episode of just books we hate yeah that would be awful <laughs> <laughs> but i want to do one i'm gonna new year's gonna come and i'm gonna try to pin you down for that for scarlet letter yeah, I'm trying to think of what other books I hated. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. Oh my God. I am going to get you to do Scarlet Letter. It's decided. Thank you so much to Madeline for coming on. I did a tiny, tiny bit more research into the 1924 version, and pretty early on, like first couple paragraphs, they do explain what's up with the parents. Father is a drunk, he is literally falling down drunk. Mom is dead. And then the next day, dad dies. Day two of the book, dad dies. And they say that their grandpa didn't want their dad to marry their mom. 
um, which I think I assumed meant that grandpa is mom's grandpa. Wait, but they have the same last name, right? God damn it. But, and they're afraid that he would treat them cruelly. But I think at the beginning, they're like, Jesse saw him one time and he didn't know it was her, but we, we saw him. It's on uh, Gutenberg.org if you would like to find it. And I think I read that they drink from a creek and in the new one, they only drink potable water. I can't, I can't uh, speak to that. God, is anyone else having the problem where I just want to buy fucking everything? Oh my God, there's, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my likes on Depop. Oh, I really won't that. All right. Um, well, I will leave you with this. You're So Vain is such a great song. I don't think there's ever been a line of poetry that I have loved as much as I had dreams. They were clouds in my coffee. Clouds in my coffee hand. And the second thing is that one thing I fucking love about that song is that, you know, everyone's like, Who, who's it about, Carly? Who's it about? And one time Warren Beatty was like, guys, it's about me. Come on hilarious love him did you know that guardians of the galaxy 3 starts with a raccoon mournfully singing creep all right have a good one see you next time it's such a good episode coming up we are talking american girl magazines the care and keeping of you it is our body episode we talk about puberty hormones Ah, i'm so excited my name is Erin R. Bowles. Uh, I don't go by Erin R. Bowles, but I'm I'm thinking because all my handles are at Erin R. Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S. Uh, the E is misleading, I know, but why why would anyone willingly have the last name of Bowles? That's where the poop is stored. No one's called me this in a long time. I'm rambling. My name is Erin R. Bowles. You can find me everywhere at Erin R. Bowles. The R stands for reminiscing as we do every episode on this podcast um and i need to sign off before i keep saying uh bizarre shit this is three minutes all right love you bye